0: To the early weigh in podcast this week, we're at the T Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Last event 2023, we got UFC 296, both the 125 and 170 pound strap up for grabs. Our main event, Leon Edwards looking to make another title defense there of his welterweight uh belt against none other than Colby Chaos Covington. Uh, and then co main event, man, new champion Alexandre Pantoja is looking to make his first title defense against Brandon Roy Vall. Really, really excited for that one. It's a loaded pay-per-view. I think we're at 13 fights now after losing uh, Ian Gary, unfortunately. Still good positive year for us both, but we are uh, trying to climb out of a little rut, uh, looking into the, the year strong, man. I'll go ahead and pass it over to you. Uh, what was kind of another forgettable night for us both.
1: Yeah, the slump continues for sure. Uh, we'll take a look over at your uh, card first. Um, you had a, a parlay between Song and uh, Tatsuro Taira. Uh, I thought that that was a really good bet. Um, yeah. you had to lay a little bit on it minus one seventy five, but I do think that that was a really good bet. one one of the guys that got us both was Kanan song. Um, yeah. you played it a little bit differently with a plus three and a half. Turns out it didn't matter. That dude uh, was uh, a like knockout or bust, and I think that he kind of showed that in the yeah. in the fight. Um, let's see. And then Smith wins inside the distance. Dude, I mean, the price was there, plus 300, yeah. the price was there, but uh, I don't know, dude. I think that he should start to reevaluate his uh, fighting career for sure. You yeah. um, didn't have much played on this card, so it was only minus 2.1 units. Um, definitely not too bad, not as bad as my night. Uh, <laughs> looking over at mine, both, I had a straight bet on Kanan Song, and then, um, to be honest with you, ma'am, I think I was absolutely robbed first fight of the night with uh rayanne amanda i thought she won that fight i really did yeah. i thought that she she did enough and i don't know i think that that set set the tone for the night so uh, i was happy that towards the end with uh sumu darji and tim elliott i hit the under there and then uh, malarkey hack Parast at plus money I, I hit that as well um, but it was a tough night i had a lot in that uh Amanda fight, you know, I thought if if, Ta- if uh, Talita Allen Carr was going to have success, she was going to get that uh, takedown early and maybe find a sub. Um, and then I thought after that first round, Amanda was piecing her up. I thought that the TKO in round two and three was live. And I know we both had some, some change on it. It would have been yeah. a really big hit for us, but it just did not come to fruition. Um, so I ended up minus 5.25 units on the night. Uh, definitely a forgettable night. Hoping I can get out of this with the one last card of the year. Sure. <clears throat> Let's see. Moving over to our first fight of the night. It starts in the welterweight division where we see Randy Brown taking on Muslim Salikov. Um, funny enough, this is the only the second time that Salikov has been the underdog in his UFC career. Um, he's one and two in his last three, and he's approaching that 40 years of age. Um, so mm-hmm. it's not a surprise that he's lost some steam with these odds makers. Um, that being said, I think that he's a really good fighter, man. It's just uh, who he's been matched up with recently and his, his age that's, um, I don't know, like I said, just kind of like giving everybody a, a lost hope in him as a fighter. Um, whereas Randy Brown, Randy Brown, I've never been a huge fan of him. Um, I was backing Wellington Terman in that last fight, and I, yeah. you know, all bias aside, I don't think that Randy Brown covered his price tag, and I think that he is, um, he he constantly does that. He's either talking too much or he isn't defensively sound enough, and I never want to lay. Uh, this minus, I think it was like minus two seventy, something like that, yeah. um, on on Brown uh, in any fight, much less this one. I think that this might be a, a buy low spot for Salikov. Like I said, he's not on this underdog position very often, and uh, when he is, I do think that he ended up winning. It was against uh, Nordin Talib, yeah. So, yeah, in his only in his only fight that he was an underdog against Nord, Nordin Talib, he gets the overhand right in the first round. Um, so I think that this is another buy low spot. Randy Brown, not defensively sound. I'm kind of looking at a Salikov play, but it's not something I, I have a lot of conviction with. So maybe you can help me out. What are you thinking?
0: I'm on the other side here. Um, and at minus 190 earlier in the week, I actually was considering a pretty a pretty good bet on Randy, um, but now almost minus 300. I laid off solely because of the, the point you brought up and the, it's the fact that he struggles to cover the price tag pretty much every single time. Um, but I do agree he should be the rifle favorite here. I think he's a guy who's still in his, in his prime and proving as a fighter. I really like the way he can keep that, you know, his range, he fights very long. Um, and I feel like, I feel like the way Muslim fights, he doesn't throw two, three punch combinations to get on the inside. He's one of these single shot guys from the outside with low volume I don't think it's going to be enough to close the distance on Randy Brown to be able to land his shots. Um, I think Randy Brown can sustain a pace at a lot higher, um, a lot higher volume, a lot longer here. I'm I'm coming off of fading Muslim with uh, Nicholas Dalby. So kind of kind of some bias, I guess, still toward him. I just I feel Muslims, uh, you know, getting up there in age, like you said, I'm not really sold on the cardio. And I do think he's a uh, real low volume throws one shot at a time. And a lot of those shots do require a ton of energy, which is one of the reasons that gas tank is slipping here lately. So I'm on the Randy Brown side, man, but at the minus like two seventy, two ninety price range um, forced me to lay off. Moving on to the big boys, man, uh, heavyweight fight. We got Shamil Gazia versus Martin Budai. It's the first bet on the card for me. Um, I got 1.5 units on Budai. Honestly, I, I, I thought the line was going to move the other way. Um, I got it at minus one seventy five. You can since now get him around minus one thirty five, minus one forty. I'm willing to accept that this fight could be hairy early on, but I think there's such a massive discrepancy in cardio that I'm willing to take the gamble here. Um, Gaziev, uh, he's a guy that man. If the finish isn't coming in the first three minutes, the wheels are going to fall off. You see his Dana White contender series interview. Who the fight lasts like two and a half minutes, and I mean he has nothing left and. You know, even at points in that fight, he was on he was on bottom. He got his back taken. I really do feel like Martin Budai is going to just walk this guy down. The forward pressure is going to get to him, put Gaziev on the fence like he does best. I really like his work in the clinch, the dirty boxing, the knees he has to the midsection. And I do think there's a chance he winds up on top himself. Um, I see a lot of people on Gaziev this week, and, you know, it is some lower-level heavyweights. You are getting an undefeated Russian. Um but, man, I I just I can't overlook the fact that I think after three minutes of a fight, this starts to swing massively in the favor of Martin Budai. So um, I like my bet on him this week, man. I'm actually I'm tempted to, to double down. I'm looking at that maybe round three decision for Martin Budai, which will be sitting around plus money or something.
1: I think you're uh, you're going to be clinching for those first two rounds, you know, the heavyweights <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I think I'm with you on the Martin Budai side. I've backed him a couple of times, hit a really good decision prop a couple fights back. And, you know, like you said, this could be a a spot where he is able to get that decision. We've seen Gaziev go, uh, three rounds before and, um, you know, he doesn't give up. Like, I, I think that, uh, that's something that's, that's definitely good, but there are a ton of unanswered questions as far as what caliber fighter he can, um, you know, get that, that quick offense on. And if he right. can finish fighters, I, Budai, um, great chin. He's known to just be able to take the hardest shots and just eat some. Yeah. So if Gazia is able to get some offense going, um, I definitely expect him to shoot or to um, pursue a submission rather than trying to pound him out. Cause I don't think that Budai has ever really been rocked um, that I've seen maybe in that Jake Collier fight towards the end. Um, but I think who is the better fighter. I think that he's got the perfect game plan to just grind on somebody, make Gaziev work and uh, just wear him out. Like you said, his uh, Gaziev's um, threat level goes down significantly after that first round. And that's when Budai starts to pick up um, the line movements, a little concerning for sure. Um, that being said, like I might find myself on Budai as well. Um, it's just one of those sloppy heavyweights fights that I've been burned a few times now, and it's just tough to want to put my hard-earned money on that.
0: <clears throat> so, you, me, know, you have cashed a decision ticket on him before, and here's your here's your little read on the undefeated fighter not knowing how to lose inside the distance.
1: Ooh, dude, okay. I don't know. You might <laughs> talk me into it for real. <laughs> well, um, but yeah, Budai, Budai will be the pick for me, I think. like him. Uh, moving up to the featherweight division, Andre Touchy Feely taking on Lucas Almeida. Um, you know, this is the second time that this fight has been booked. Feely pulled out with an eye injury the first time. Um, I know that feely has been a longstanding UFC fighter, but truthfully, I think that he should consider hanging it up if, uh, if he loses this fight or he'll at least get, uh, he's at the risk of getting cut if he drops this fight. Um, I know he's only 33 years old, but he's approaching, you know, three years and seven fights without a decisive win on the books. Um, Funny enough, this is also kind of a make-or-break fight for Lucas Almeida in some way. Uh, This is a winnable fight for him, and I think um, he shows promise at the UFC level, but he's one and two now against UFC competition. Um, And, you know, I do think that this is is somewhat of a comeback fight for him, again, after getting absolutely broken by Sabatini. That's a really tough matchup, and I know Sabatini is – not got a great chin that we saw in his last fight, but if he's not getting touched, he is going to put that wrestling pressure on you, and he mm-hmm. he just broke Lucas Almeida. That was a tough one to watch. Um, Andre Feely, he does have good takedowns. He's, he's pretty strong, but he does tend to fall off, and I think that if Lucas Almeida can withstand that early grappling pressure of him, uh, I, I think that he could he could start finding the chin of uh, Feely and start touching him up on the feet. Um, I do think that this is a, a fan friendly matchup right here. Neither neither of these guys take their their foot off the gas. But um Andre Philly you know, ten lo- double digit losses on the record now. Yeah. Um <laughs> that's that's not a good look. The the blueprint's out there, and I, I think that Lucas Almeida still has some potential. Um so I, I, I like Almeida at this point in his career. I think it's gonna be a really tough fight.
0: And uh yeah, you can get Almeida at dog money. So that's that's where I'm I'm leaning for sure. I think picking a money line side's a little bit tricky because I think in hindsight the winner looks like a real big favorite. I think it's I think this could look like the Brito fight where the forward pressure of Lucas Almeida just gets to Feely and I think he bonks him on the chin. Um, but man, there's been times where Feely shows up like the Pineda fight where he looks as sharp as can be, man. And then you talk about the potential of a clear grappling advantage for Andre Feely. It would be very smart for him to to take that approach here. I struggle really to pick a winner, but I see a ton of finishing upside for both of these guys. Like, like I think Almeida can knock him out. I think Feely can submit him here. So I I've put 1.5 units on the under two and a half at minus 145. Um, I'm expecting some violence here in this fight. And as the week kind of grows closer, I can't bank on Andre Feely to, to to mix in those takedowns, man. I really do think Lucas Almeida might catch the chin the same way like Joe Anderson Brito did. So I think I'm on the dog with you as well. I'm more passionate about the under two-and-a-half there, though. Moving down to a flyweight fight, one uh, I'm really excited for, man. We got to Garrett off, taking on Cody Durden. Excited for, man, because Cody Durden's come through as an underdog for me before, um, and, I, and I was tempted to go back to the well on him as at the money line price here. Um, you know, regardless of the outcome, Cody's fighting for my dollar, hard three rounds. And outside of Nate Manessa's first cut to 125 pounds, man, you know, Tagir is not much of a finisher, a guy pretty much that struggles to cover his price tag in a lot of fights as well. A lot of these fights are real close decisions with, like, Nascimento and Bruno Silva, He's lost to Tim Elliott and Zagasuma Sumagulov. whether, you know, that was controversial or not, it's a loss on the record. You know, I've never really considered Ulan Bekov to be the top, you know, the top pressure wrestler of some of the guys he trains with. And I do think if that wrestling gets negated by Cody Durden, I think the fight plays out very, very closely on the feet. And that's why I do think there could be some value at plus 140 on Cody. The guy, a very good wrestler. He's now down at ATT. I think he's made clear improvements in both, you know, just overall game, cardio, and everything. I do kind of think Cody has a more pop on his shots. I think if somebody were to go down to shots here, I do think it's Tagir, But I also think, you know, Taguier is, is kind of a submission um, threat against Cody, who kind of leaves the neck out. You know, you can't deny the guy's toughness, but round one against Jake Hadley does end in the guillotine. Round two, he's in an arm bar. You know, his submission defense leave some, leave some things to be, to be brushed up on. You know, I really want to pick Cody Durden. I I think I'm going to side with Cody Durden because I think the line is a little bit wide, but I took the, I took the plus three and a half point spread on him here. I think, I think there's plenty of ways I can cash that. I I think there's a, you know, there's a way Cody Durden wins round one drops the last two. I think the scorecards could just be really hairy, um, be a split decision. I even think there's a chance Cody Durden could get robbed here just because of who Ulambekov's can, you know, associated with. So I opted to take the point spread on Cody Durden instead of the Dog Odds, unfortunately. I think we see it differently, man. But give me Cody, give me Cody Durden this Saturday.
1: Yeah, and I know a lot of people are seeing this fight go into decision. I think that you know Uin Bekov is a product of having a Russian last name. <clears throat> and so the price tag is always too high for him, but finally the market is kind of adjusted. And I think we're getting a really good buy low spot for him. I look, I look down uh, to gears record um, the Tim Elliott fight. We'll call it a wash. It wasn't a loss, you know, but we'll call it a wash. And then I look at a Nascimento and Bruno Silva. And I hope hold, hold both of those guys higher than I hold Cody Durden. Cody Durden's made a really good name for himself in the UFC against the matchup that he's had, but, you know, Carlos Moda, J.P. Byes, Charles Johnson, those aren't high-caliber fighters by any means. And um, Tagheer Lumbekov, with the submission threats, I think that he's on the same level as uh, Jimmy Flick. Not not, not Mohamed Mukhaev, but similar, you know. I do think that he ha- he's going to be looking for those submission attempts. And Cody Durden, after that first round, he, he does start to slow down. He becomes much more predictable. And because he doesn't have the offensive striking to to stand with the best of them i do think that Tagir is going to start figuring him out as the fight goes on and eventually cody's going to slip up and to is going to lock up a uh, a choke so yeah i'm on the to and side i'm not going to be playing the money line i think i'm just going to be shooting for a submission prop at like plus 300 or something like that so i like that um it might, might not even be played for me, but this is a good fight. Not not one that I have a lot of conviction on, but I, I do like the Tagheer side. Nice. Moving up to the light heavyweight division, Alonzo Minifield taking on Dustin Jacoby. I think that, that, you know, there's two different ways that this fight goes. Um, I could see mm-hmm. Dustin Jacoby... Uh, chopping away at the lead leg of Alonzo Minifield really, really early and completely stifling the attack of of Minifield. He's not going to be able to move as much. He's not going to be able to get as much power. And then Dustin Jacoby just chipping away at him, chipping away at him Um, and maybe even eventually opening him up towards the second and third round and finding that kill shot. On the other end, I think Alonzo Minifield has the power to knock out anybody. And Dustin Jacoby has shown some, some chin issues in the past. Um, So I, I've been looking at this fight. Uh, fight ends by TKO. The Minifield TKO at plus five hundred, I think, is off because I do think that that's his his only path to victory. Yep. I don't really see him um, being good enough to to take him down and hold him down. Dustin Jacoby does a pretty good job of working his way back up to the feet, and then um, I also don't really see him, you know, like putting up a lot of volume against Dustin Jacoby mm-hmm. and outstriking the kickboxer. So. Yep. Um everybody's got a punching chance in the UFC but Alonzo Menifield's a little bit higher than a lot of people so I like the fight ends by TKO and the Minifield TKO at plus 500.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that plus 500 cuz I I have that written in my notes as well. It's a crazy number for what I would imagine it is his path to victory 99% of the time here and probably even spice it up and make it round 1 in my opinion. Um I think similar to the Ghaziev and Budai fight, I think after round one it's going to start to massively swing in the favor of Dustin Jacoby here. Um, I don't really think Alonzo, like you said, has the wrestling to make this fight tricky. I don't really think he has the cardio to make it tricky. I feel like he is round one or bust here. Um, And if the fight's going to play out on the feet, I do have to get to the Dustin Jacoby side, who I feel like is the better kickboxer, better defensively, good volume. And I do think that calf kick, like you said, that's going to chop him down with, it's going to take a lot of the power out of Alonzo as the fight progresses. One, one thing that kind of makes me, you know, I've I've kind of looked at Dustin Jacoby by decision because he he really a lot of times is more than content in a big cage to to pop on the outside. But man, recently I was watching his fights back and the Jung fight, the Kennedy fight, they're steps in the right direction, man. You know, I feel like he's he's sitting down on his punches more. Maybe it was the Khalil Roundtree fight that he was like, you know. Shit, I can't let these fights go to decision anymore. I don't know, but it definitely looks like like he's gunning for a finish more than he was in his first couple UFC fights. So, I actually think that round two or three TKO um, for Jacoby is a little bit live. Um, he's the side ultimately, just kind of torn how I'm going to have some action on it though.
1: Also, I also don't think that Alonzo. I think he lacks the like diversity of his entries. You know, I think that yeah. Dustin's going to pick that up really quickly, and if that lead leg is compromised. Yeah, I'm with you, dude. It, the TKO is going to be open there for Jacoby. It's just whether or not he wants to uh, – you know, he's got to risk it to be able to get it, and he has been screwed by the judges. So I hope that he's got in the same mindset where he knows uh, finish is the best best way to do this, you know. Good stuff.
0: I like it. Man, Casey O'Neill versus Ariana Lipski, complete pass for me. Um, I, I just – truth be told, I, I do think Ariana Lipsky at dog odds, the way she's looked in her last two – could be where the value is on this fight. I've never really been one that's sold on Casey O'Neill. I think the striking over looks pretty non existent um Casey O'Neill winning is pretty reliant on Casey O'Neill getting the fight down to the mat um seems kind of one dimensional to me Throw in the a c l injury the fight against Jennifer Maya, you know Maya cemented herself as like a top five six seven fighter for a while now, but I don't know, man, there was definitely some ring rust there. She looks slow. Uh wasn't the best look for a girl who was coming in at two to one odds or something again. Uh, with Lipsky, she's made the moves to American top team, and dude, it does look like she's turned a corner. She was a girl who really struggled with the takedown defense, and I think she stuffed like her last twenty three takedown attempts or something man the 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 fights against Aldrich and Gatto. Steps in the right direction, man, and and I do feel like if if O'Neill is not able to get this fight down, she loses a striking match to to Lipsky 100% um, in my eyes. I think what I've decided to do um, with this one here to lay off pre-fight. If I see Lipski stuff the first or second takedown in this fight, though, I think I might try to get in on her live. Um, so I'm gonna I'm actually gonna side with Ariana Lipsky to get the job done. <clears throat> I'm going to go by decision, but at the same time, the under it plus money there is kind of tempting as well. I I, I don't have too much confidence um, on how the fight's going to play out, but I'm going to side with Lipsky, man.
1: Yeah, so I think that Lipsky uh, is a great hammer, not a good nail, you know? And I I think that, you know, we've seen that in all three of her her last three losses being by finish. Um, Casey O'Neill. She's a hammer, dude. She's an She's absolute hammer. <laughs> yeah, she, she really is. And I think that there's going to be a significant size advantage once we see the faceoffs. Um, and I think that Casey O'Neal, I liken her much closer to Antonina Shevchenko, Montana De La Rosa, Priscilla Cachoeira, just For being sure. that aggressive fighter, um, being able to kind of um, lead the dance. I think that she's going to lead the dance against Ariana Lipsky and Lipsky. Yeah. She's looked really, really good against JJ Aldridge, you know, but that's, that's uh, she was plus three, something, 300, something JJ Aldridge doesn't really have much finishing upside. Um, Melissa Gatto. That's a good win, but I also think that Gatto kind of gave her the fight that she needed to give her to be able to win that fight. I don't think Casey O'Neill going to give her that fight, man. I think Casey O'Neill going to go in there, try and bulldoze her. And like you said, like if Lipsky can keep the fight, on the feet there's certainly some um you know some some things about casey o'neill's game that i don't necessarily mm-hmm. love but she's so young um, that i do expect her to continue to improve and although lipsky has also looked like she's improved i think that this is a, a casey o'neill smash spot right here not that right. i'm going to be laying minus 190 but mm-hmm. hell i think if she gets on top gets her to the ground and gets on top of her i think it's going to be a short night so i'm with you on the under in that fight but i also think that there's a lot of finishing upside for casey o'neill specifically I like um, so, yeah, I, I'm on the Casey O'Neill side. It's a girl fight, so I'm not going to be too exposed. I said that last week and had like, three <laughs> yeah, I was just about units. to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, who who knows? But in uh, in my head, I'm only thinking about like one, one and a half units um, on the under, and then Casey O'Neill by finish, you know, something right. like that. Moving up the card to the bantamweight division, Cody Garbrandt taking on Brian Kelleher. This is a weird fight. Uh, what is it What is it lined at right here? Uh, okay, so Garbrandt minus 185. That makes sense, dude. I think that Garbrandt's a, a significantly better striker. He has the wrestling in his back pocket, always has, but uh, rarely uses it. Um, one thing that I do think that's going in the favor of Brian Kelleher is he does bring just like a kill or be killed type mentality when he goes out there, he, he's trying to be the hammer himself. And I think that Cody Garbrandt, I mean, you, we've all seen it. He's got chin issues, man. Yeah. Um, and then he also has a little bit of fight IQ issues. Like when he does get touched up, uh, he kind of drops the game plan and he'll start brawling. And Brian Kelleher isn't somebody that you want to start brawling with. So <clears throat> for me, it's a tough one because Cody could, should win this fight, um, and I, but I do think that Brian Kelleher is going to bring the fight to him. This might be another spot where I'm kind of, you know, looking at that under, um, but as far as picking a side, I got to go with Cody Garbrandt. I'm not stoked laying two to one on him, but uh, he, he definitely is the pick in this matchup.
0: Yeah, man. The old Cody was, was one of our absolute favorites and I'll never forget the 90 cash, the ticket for me over Dom Cruz, you know, looking back at one of the more impressive performances from an underdog, you know, to date. And I don't want to say it, the decline is the right word. You know, you kind of touched on both of it. It's not only just a chin issue, but it's, a, it's an arrogance issue to, to stand there and trade. That's been his downfall. That you know, lost what five of his last like seven fights or something, and a lot of those being TKO'd in at flyweight, which is also you know, you know, experiment that he dropped down there. I don't know, man. Cody's head is a little bit. I think it's tricky to see where Cody's head's at cuz I, I don't think he's ever making a title run again. And how motivated do you get for for Trevin Jones and Brian Kelleher and stuff anymore? The the Trevin Jones fight though, it did show me that Cody can be composed. You know, like Trevin's not that good of a fighter. But Trevin hits hard and you know Trevin can be down in a fight and show you that he can come back and, and hit you one time. I mean, you know, I did feel like there was opportunity for Trevin Jones to catch him there. And, and Cody looked far more composed in that fight. I do think, again, step in the right direction for him. I think his hands are faster, cleaner, underrated wrestling. To me, he just seems like the all-around better fighter. Um, you know, Kelleher on the L2, pulled out of his last two. I, I do feel like Cody could be catching Brian Kelleher at, at the right time to come out on top. But, man, you know, it's hard to think if Cody can even take a punch anymore, man. I, like you said, couldn't be laying um, two to one there, man.
1: Um, Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you. I'm with you.
0: Looks like this is the prelim main event now. Maybe they'll do some reshuffling. We got Al Aldana <coughs> taking Carolosa. Um, I Honestly, man, I didn't do too much tape on this fight, just just <laughs> being dead serious. I don't plan on betting Irina Aldana at chalk, but I do feel like Irina Aldana has kind of always been this – you know, the superior fighter of the two, the one who's got the better footwork, taller, longer, uses that jab and boxing well. She's really training at a great camp who's on fire right now. Recently, man, you know, I just I don't know if Aldana's just not looked that great. You know, I backed her against Macy Chason. That was like the luckiest ticket I've probably ever cashed in my life. Um, and, I, I, you know, I know that Chason's a big woman um, who looked to get her down to the mat, something Carol Hossa might not be as successful doing. But, no, man, Um earlier in the week, I was a little bit more confident in Aldana than I am now. Uh, Rosa's going to kind of match her in the volume. She's a little bit shorter. I think she's going to be strong in the clinch. She could find cage time. Aldana, by decision, is my pick. Um I've spent enough time on it, though, man. I, I really don't care too much about that fight.
1: Yeah. Um, hmm. I think if Aldana can keep it on the feet, especially at range, that she would have a lot of success here. We've seen her, you know, land that power shot on a couple of girls. Yeah. She does; ha- she's one of the few women, just blanket women, that can knock people out on the feet. And uh, I think that Carol Rosa could could get caught at some point with that. That being said, like if Rosa comes in and grinds on her, makes this fight dirty, we could be looking at a at a split decision, and you sure as hell don't want to be laying minus 185 on a, yeah. uh, on a split decision. So while I, I'm picking Aldana, I do think that Rosa can make this fight close, um, but Aldana having the finishing upside. Um, and then also I think she's going to be pretty significantly bigger. I could be wrong, but um, okay. whenever they're in there, I think that she could ward off a lot of the grinding attempts, the attempts to push her up against the cage. And if she is able to get at range, she could start piecing up Carol Rosa who I've never really held in, in too high regards. See, moving up to the main card, we open up in the featherweight division between Josh Emmett and Bryce Mitchell. This is a tough fight, man. Um, I you know, Josh Emmett, he's talked, he's I don't know, had the word retirement in his yeah. mouth, like for the last three fights, it seems like, man. He's always like, Man, if I don't get it in this run, or if I don't get this fight, you know, I'm thinking about hanging it up, and he keeps on coming back for more. Um, this seems like a fight where, you know, if he's able to stuff the takedown, he's going to make Bryce look like a little boy. Like, I, I mean, I love Doug Nasty. I love Bryce Mitchell. But if he doesn't get the takedown and he's forced to stand on the feet against Josh Emmett, I think he's going to sleep, dude. Like, he doesn't mm-hmm. have much of a uh, okay. striking skill set at all. That being said, um, he usually gets people to the ground. I know that in the Ilya Taporia fight, um, that wasn't the case, but he also talked about him being sick before that fight. And Ilya Taporia is about to fight for a title.
0: I was to say, that's Ilya Taporia. Yeah. <laughs> you see so what he Josh in it, too.
1: <laughs> right. So that being the only loss on his record, I think that there's, you know, not much that you can take from that. Um, but so outside of the times where Bryce isn't able to get the takedown and he is on the feet, um, I, I think that he's a a really, really good fighter, man. He's extremely strong. He's real big for the weight class. Mm -hmm. Um, And if he just continues to go to the well, Josh Emmett's the kind of guy who at 39 years old or whatever, however old he is, he's not really adding much more to his game. And he's always been this power puncher who at 145 pounds, that's a tough one to rely on, dude. Not a lot of power punchers finishing guys at 145 pounds. Um, So Bryce Mitchell is the pick for me. Um, uh, if you're playing Emmett, I think the knockouts where it's at, you can get that at like plus 440. I think that that's live, dude. Because if he's able to stuff just a few takedowns, if he lands that right hand, Bryce doesn't have the striking defense to avoid it. I don't know, dude. I'm on the Bryce Mitchell side. I do think that he'll end up cooking him and Emmett will give up and retire. Hopefully that's what happens. But uh, I think that the plus 440 for Emmett
0: is, is kind of where I'm looking at, where I'm laying off the fight. Great number for what I also see as this guy's only path to victory here as well. You know, outside of a, a TKO on the feet, I I don't really like the complete game of Josh Emmett. I don't see him getting the job done many other ways. You talked about him speaking on retirement, 40 years old. You know, now he's getting matched up with contenders and things. I don't know, man. You know, Bryce... While he, while he does kind of suck on the feet, I mean, he did kind of sting Ilya Taporia a couple times with a one, two, he did drop Edson Barboza with a one, two. It's like, it's like he gets you to think about the grappling so much that it opens up his hands just a little bit. Um, but he's definitely, you know, definitely not the same TKO threat of, of Josh Emmett. I, uh, I do expect Bryce to get the fight down to the mat, but uh, Josh Emmett is a tough sob man. So I like Bryce Mitchell to win a to win a close to de- probably not a close decision. I do think he finds a lot of top time here. So I'm going to go with a pretty clear decision uh, for Old Bug <clears throat> Nasty Saturday. And then uh, Patty the Batty pimblet taking on Tony Ferguson, man, I really, really, I just truth be told, I would love to see Tony Ferguson win this one. The guys lost six fights in a row. It does seem like this is. This is the last one before he's on his way. The old El Kukui that we all knew and loved is, is, is gone, man. He's washed up, but I really would love Tony Ferguson to come through on Saturday, man. One of the best gas tanks that the sport has ever seen. Some of the sneakiest front chokes as well. He's always been extremely hittable. It's just now it's starting to take more of a toll on him. You know, he's not being able to wear the shots as good and, You know, even being submitted in his last two fights, not a good look for him. So, Patty's clearly the A-side for me. He's the one the UFC wants to win. Um, I feel like this was the biggest name they could give Patty Pimblett that he likely stands a really good chance of winning. Um, I think he holds a clear power advantage. I do think he's got some sneaky subs that he could even submit Tony after he hurts him on the feet. It is a big step up, and again, I would love Tony Ferguson to come through, but I I got Patty inside the distance, man. Um, I think it's hard to think that Tony isn't just washed up at this point.
1: Yeah, dude, I, I have to agree, not to mention the UFC's path for Patty is, you know, it's laid out for a man. You don't yeah. get to fight <clears throat> nobody gets to fight as easy competition as Luigi Vendramini, Vargas, Levitt. And even though Gordon is a is a good fighter. Um, he's, he doesn't offer much as far as right. being uh, a specialist anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Tony Ferguson, yeah, he's over the hill, man. Um, I also have the the Patty by submission. Look, man, he's getting submitted by Bobby Green. I um, that was
0: just about to say the same shit. I,
1: I'm almost positive that Patty Pimblett can sub Tony Ferguson. He can get him to yeah. the mat. And uh, yeah, since that that Justin Gaethje fight, Tony's looked like a shell of himself, and and uh, it's sad to see because um, I can't really see him holding down like a normal job. So like fighting does seem like is all his, he's got. Uh, yeah, all he's got, dude. And that, that's a tough look. So yeah, I've got Patty Pimblett, the submission prize
0: million dollar winner, Tony Ferguson.
1: Man, it, not even that, man. Maybe KSW, but even then, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Alaskan sure. Alaskan FC. Yeah, maybe hey, Alaskan FC. That's where Tony's about to run it. I like that. But yeah, Patty Pimblett submission plus 260 Um I like We it. just saw fucking Bobby Green submit him. I think that that's a good price. Good stuff. Uh, move, moving on to the next fight. It's just banger after banger at this point. Right. Um, 170 pounds. Shafkat Rachmanov versus Stephen Thompson. I mean... This seems like the UFC is punishing Stephen Thompson for not accepting the Michelle Pereira fight.
0: Exactly uh, what I'm thinking too.
1: <laughs> that being said, you know, you look at the people in the 170 pound division, his options. Um, this might be one of the better fights for Stephen Thompson. Rachmanov is kind of one of these guys where um, if he's not actively pursuing a takedown, uh, he can get kind of like lumbering, just walking towards his opponent, not really, uh, using head movement, and we saw that in the Jeff Neal fight, where you know when Jeff Neal was able to keep it on, on the feet, um, he was touching up Rakhmanov. Now, now it helps that Rakhmanov has an iron chin, wherever the hell he's from. You know, he he eats shots. Uh, I don't see a lot of opportunity for Wonderboy to be able to knock him out, um, but I do I do see Steven Wonderboy um, kind of coaxing him in to these traps and him exploding and being able to land a couple of really good shots. I actually think that this fight um, is going to hit the over. I'm kind of looking at the over one and a half over two and a half. I know that there's a, a lot of talk about Rachmana finishing it, but if he's not actively pursuing the takedown and trying to submit wonder boy Thompson, uh, I think that wonder boy on his feet is evasive enough to kind of point fight. So um, I'm curious to see how this one plays out. Wonder Boy's never been submitted. Uh, he's only been knocked out once and uh this is a huge stepping stone for Rachmanov. I think that this is a similar fight to the Jeff Neal fight, and that one was close. And then you look at Steven Thompson and he's, a, in my opinion, a significantly better striker than Jeff Neal. Um, so I, th- I think that he could draw this fight out, show Sha- uh, Shavkat where he has some holes, and even if uh, Shavkat is able to get the, the W, um, it'll be a great learning experience and a good fight for us to draw from
0: as he pursues this title run. So I think Shavkat gets the job done inside the distance, uh, just truth be told. I think if he lands the right hand that Woodley landed or Kevin Holland landed, I think he takes advantage of it on the mat and submits Wonderboy. I think if he finds the top time of Gilbert Burns or Bilal Mohammed, I think he finds the submission on on Wonderboy. You know, each time I see Hamzat Jumaev, step into the octagon and look a little bit more human. I start to think that Shavkat Rachmanov might be the real 170 pounder that we need to keep our eyes on. I, I really, watching back his tape, I, I think the guy can do it all. And I, I just love his instincts for fighting. Like, you know, he knows he's 16 and 0. he knows he's finished all these fights. He's just given us a war with Jeff Neal and the instincts to, to get on the back and get that choke. Like, he just has great fighting instincts, man. I, I just I love what I see from Shafkat. I think he's the next welterweight champion. I, uh, I honestly I see why Leon's talking about going up to, to middleweight if he wins because this is this is who's waiting on him next. I um, I do think that sixty two percent implied odds is a little bit low um, with them being seventeen and zero with seventeen finishes. I do think you can get closer to the seventy percent on the Shafkat inside the distance. Just truth be told, um, the forty year old wonder boy his path to victory man is to dance around the outside and win a decision but i think he gets beat up on the clinch beat up on the mat man i like Rachmanov to get the job done here
1: first title uh, yeah, fight yeah just just uh it's tough man it's tough to say that about Rachmanov whenever he's he hasn't in my opinion out solaveria Prezeris, harrison or harris and magny it, it proves that he can get the finish. Like, Agni, especially, is a tough guy mm-hmm. to finish, but he hasn't faced that upper echelon. And Jeff Neal being kind of like the Kamzat Shemayev Gilbert Burns fight where we finally saw him look human. Well, if this went to decision like it was supposed to, like, let's be real, four minutes, 17 seconds, around three, mm-hmm. um, I wonder what this line looks like. Like, if he doesn't continue this finishing streak, um, I wonder if he'd be getting as much praise as he is now. And I think that Wonderboy Thompson has proven himself way more than Jeff Neal um, in his career. So I think that this is his toughest fight to date and how close it was to go into decision in the last one, Wonderboy being notoriously hard to finish. I don't know. We see it a little differently,
0: but this is going to be an excellent fight for sure. Killing fight, man. And uh, down to flyweight for the first title fight of the night. One of the better fights of the card, man. Uh, Alexandre Pantoja taking on Brandon Vall you watching that fight back this week I, I do get people taking the shot at plus 300 on roy val it was a ridiculous pace and it it did start to look like things were maybe starting to swing in the direction of brandon roy Ball in that second round i just i think pantojas the better fighter here man roy val i think he just relies on his unorthodoxness to kind of get the job done i don't think he's very technical and if he's made to fight a technical fight, I don't think he gets the job done here. I think if Pantoja's able to slow the pace down, I think he looks far more technical and accurate with his shots on the feet. I thought the last time out, five rounds with Brandon Moreno, one of the better, you know, Brandon Moreno just got through with like seven fights in a row that were five rounds. You know, he's a great high-paced fighter. I thought Pantoja's cardio looked good, man. I think is the more durable fighter. And I, I do see, you know, like, when I look at how how guys get the job done, I think Pantoja can knock him out. I think Pantoja can submit him. I think Pantoja can win a decision, whereas Roy Val, I think he's pretty reliant upon a knockout win here. Um, and and Bon Turin and Schnell, I give him the Nicolau finish. Props to you, man. You know, you and I were both on Nicolau that night. But but Turin and Schnell, is that really title worthy? Um, I don't know, man. I, I do like Pantoja. I don't know if I lay the minus 180, minus 190. I'm likely just going to sit back and enjoy this fight, but uh, yeah, man, I, I'm going to side with Alexander Pantoja to keep his belt.
1: Uh, I don't really love laying juice in super high level fights, but yeah. I, I'm honestly not sure that Roy Val should be getting this title shot. Um, I mean, obviously the Nikolai wins really, really huge, um, mm-hmm. but he's always, like you said, you touched on it. Uh, he's always been really finish reliant, and Alexander Pantoja having never been finished um I, I just don't see Roy Val winning minutes here and then you you throw on top of it that Pantoja's already submitted him um after coming off of his last fight uh, against Moreno uh you know he he looks tired but he's still able to keep up this like insane pace mm-hmm. um man i think that he breaks Roy Val this this is a for what it seems like to me, a buy low spot. And a lot of people just love Roy Val because of the way that he fights, the, yep. his style. It's super, super fan friendly. And I think that there's a lot of people that want to back him because they like him. Uh, but Pantoja in my head is is the clear side here. And we're getting, you know, somewhat of a buy low spot for, what are we looking at? Yeah, like under, under two to one, like, I don't know. I'll probably find myself on it. Um, oh my flyweights that I have, Decent reads um, historically on flyweights, and I, I do like Pantoja here. Don't love laying minus 190 in title fights, but it is what it is.
0: like to hear you on the same side.
1: Moving up to the main event of the evening in the welterweight division, Leon Rocky Edwards taking on Colby Chaos Covington. I think that... Leon Edwards has been training for guys like Colby Covington for like the last three years. And he's kind of got the, the blueprint down. I think that Colby Covington is going to do what he always does and go out there, shoot for takedowns and try and drown his opponent with pace. Um, but yeah, Leon Edwards has proven that he can go five rounds. I think that Kamara Usman's actual takedown threat is a little bit more than Colby Covington. It's not that he's going to be able to, or that Kamaru was able to push the same pace that Colby's going to be pushing, but I think that his actual ability to get the fight to the ground um, is more so than Covington. Leon Edwards, if, if the fight is uh, on the feet, he's going to be touching Colby, you know? Like, Colby has never really had great defense. It's just whenever he's able to work on the inside and grind it out. Um, but offensively, he's pretty... Um, he doesn't have a lot of different offensive attacks, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's just pressure. It's pressure. And Leon seems to, in my opinion, uh, seems to know how to deal with that pressure at this point in his career. Um, he's continually developing. And then Colby Covington um, only fighting, you know, once a year, maybe. Uh, right. it's, not a, it's not a great look, dude. So I, I yeah. think that Leon Edwards Leon Edwards should win. I hope he doesn't. I'm really rooting for Colby Covington, but I do think that this is, you know, sharp money's on Leon Edwards. That's why we're not seeing the line move, even though everybody else that we see is on the Colby Covington side, every single one of our friends on the Colby Covington (laughs) side. And I do think that that's uh, Sharps versus Joe's, man. I think that the sharp money's on Leon Edwards. Um, So again, it's a title fight. I'm not looking to lay a, a bunch of juice, but I do think that he is the rightful favorite. So Um, I'm leaning Leon Edwards here. Minus 150 or better. Uh, I'd consider it, but as of right now, I do not have
0: a bet. Leon Edwards is the side. You know, man, I was kind of nervous to tell you about my breakdown of this fight, but you pretty much – it said everything that I was going to say on this fight, man. It's like, you know, we're both massive Colby fans, but I think the fight is kind of lined pretty accurately, man. Leon was about minus 135. My, you know, my heart goes one way here, but my gut is is on the Leon Edwards side. You know, for Colby, he has the style of fight that could cause Leon issues. Leon likes to use his kicking range and keep his range. And, and Colby does have that pressure wrestling that, when styles make fights, typically you want to lean that direction. And, you know, I do I do feel like the fight's going to be played out pretty closely. It could really go to decision out of high clip. And so I, I I'm struggle here because I do think there is some value on Colby Covington, and that's a line that I've kind of been keeping an eye on this week because if it hits a plus 150, a plus 160, I might have to get on on Colby just solely off the basis that I think it's going to be a close decision. Um, but I do feel he's a far more one-dimensional fighter here. The one who's going to struggle to make the mid-fight adjustments. You talk about him being 36, inactive. His wins have aged horribly. He's a guy that's now coming up on his third title shot. Um, you know, that's a lot of pressure, man. Um, three title fights, and you know, what if you come up short here? You're in front of President Trump, who you've been talking up all week. There's a lot of pressure on Colby to come through on Saturday. When I look at Leon, I just see a more complete fighter, man. I see a guy who's Got really underrated wrestling. We just don't have to see it a lot of times. And he's a far better striker if this gets stuck out at range. I always prefer the southpaw, touching him up with kicks. I think he's going to beat that lead leg of Colby up. We've seen him be able to set a a head kick up. The guy remains dangerous until the 24th minute of the fight. My one knock for Leon is I see him calling out Strickland and Duplessis. And I don't know if he's overlooking Colby, not wanting to cut the weight anymore.
1: Or see Shavkat coming see up.
0: See cat, yeah, exactly. I just to me, I don't I don't I just I don't like to see him not focus on the fight in front of him on Saturday. So that that's pretty much my only real knock on Leon. I think the guy's an incredible fighter. I cashed on him the first time against Usman. We cashed on him by decision against Usman in London the second time. I do feel like I got a good read on Leon Edwards, so you know what, you want my official pick who I think is going to win. I hate picking against Colby, but I think Leon Edwards is going to get the job done as well,
1: man. Here's another reason why Leon's looking past him. When you look at the top five of that division, Kamaru, Bilal Muhammad, Colby Covington, and Gilbert Burns, I mean, Leon's beat all of the top five, you know. Oh, I know no, that we yeah. didn't get to see that Bilal Muhammad fight play out, but um, he was whooping his ass, and I think that yeah. it wasn't going to change over, over the course of that fight. So, um and yeah, then, a great you know, fight. Right. And then the, the next guy after Gilbert Burns is Shavkat Rachmanov and the UFC is pushing for him. And I, I truthfully, like I don't even blame Leon, but I do think that he mm-hmm. he might be looking to, uh, to you know, try some new things, especially when Sean Strickland is your middleweight champion in the weight class up. Like he's not taking you down. And I'm sure that Leon would love to have a striking match with Sean Strickland. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm on the Leon side. Not sure how heavy yet. Maybe face offs will tell me a little bit more. I like the fact that uh, if you're on the Leon side, Dana denied Colby um, bringing President Trump on the walkout. I don't know why, but I don't (laughs) think that Dana has much faith in him either for some reason. So um, I'm on the Leon Edwards side with you, man.
0: I like to hear that. We're down to 13 fights after unfortunately losing Ian Gary. Um, You know, still kind of picking and choosing. I think it's a tough week of bets, but honestly, man, it's a great week of fights to end 2023 on. Really excited for this Saturday We got a couple weeks off, and we'll catch you guys in a few weeks back in 2024. See ya. Peace.